Hello there, and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is. It's a weekly podcast where we take a closer look at popular songs from the rock and roll era, and we look into some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole, and don't you forget it. Hey, don't forget to check out the website, howgooditis.com, where you can find some stuff that I found interesting and some other stuff that doesn't necessarily fit well into the podcast. And, of course, go follow and like the show's Facebook page, which has some other stuff that'll keep you busy. You can find it over at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. Oh, did I mention How Good It Is is a featured podcast on the Podcast Republic app. Stuff like that certainly makes me sit up and take notice, and it was a fun thing to see because I've been using Podcast Republic for about a year, and I've started really digging into some of the stuff that you can do with it. You get fully automated downloads from all the major podcast networks, so right there you're looking at nearly half a million podcasts. You can build playlists, and if you have it installed on multiple devices, well, Podcast Republic will synchronize your subscriptions and your playbacks across those devices. And, ooh, I just discovered this one. There is a special mode that you can use for driving. So the buttons are much bigger and they're much easier to see and to use. And I'll tell you what, that comes in pretty handy. So Podcast Republic is easy to use and best of all, it is free in the Google Play Store. Show them a little love since they're showing me some, okay? Oh, let me update you on something. Last week, I noted that Ron Dante was touring with the Turtles in the Happy Together Tour, which is hitting mostly the eastern half of the U.S. now and through the summer. What I didn't know is that Dante isn't performing as a separate act. He, in fact, he's performing with the Turtles, filling in for Howard Kalen. Also on the tour, the Association, Chuck Negron from uh, Three Dog Night, Gary Puckett and the Union Gab, Mark Lindsay, and some others. The show sounds like it's a lot of fun. I think I'm going to try to score some tickets when they're uh, appearing in Pennsylvania next month. So today, we're looking at a group that mostly caught America's attention after they'd been around for a while in a different configuration. The Thompson Twins, they weren't a duo, at least not as first. And for that matter, none of them were related to one another, at least not at first. They got started in uh, 1977 when Tom Bailey was in Teachers College in Cheshire, England, and working toward becoming a classical pianist. Around that time, he befriended a man named Joe Leeway. They became friends and they began working together on music projects, but Leeway wasn't an original member of the band. Before long, Bailey's bass and uh, vocals had joined up with Pete Dodd and John Ruge on guitars and John Pogorski on drums. They got the name the Thompson Twins from a pair of incompetent detectives named Thompson and Thompson. One of them is spelled with a P and the other one without, but they still appear to be near-identical twins. The only difference is their mustaches. And they appeared in the comic strip The Adventures of Tintin. Now, not a lot of people in the U.S. have heard of this comic strip, but The Adventures of Tintin was one of the most popular European strips of the 20th century. Well, the group made their way to London, where they lived as squatters for a while. Bailey once described the group as spongers back then, living on very little and scavenging pretty much everything they had, including finding a way of <coughs> borrowing electricity from the house next door. Since Pogorski didn't make the move with the others, well, they needed to find a new drummer. So Andrew Edge worked with them for a few months, but he was ultimately replaced by Chris Bell, and by 1980, they'd released their first single, called Squares and Triangles. Inspiration is what we hunger for Must be changes, it's part of the law Squares and triangles 
So Squares and Triangles was just a big bowl of okay, as well as the follow-up single titled She's in Love with Mystery. So what you could see from these uh, tracks is that they were capturing a certain kind of uh, post-punk energy, and they did become a fixture on London's new romantic scene. Uh, There are stories that when they performed, they would often encourage audience members to join them up on stage and bang on makeshift percussion pieces like hubcaps. By 1981, the band's lineup included two new members, Joe Leeway, remember him? He'd always been on the fringes of the group, and now he was part of the band too. And Jane Shorter played saxophone. Later that year, they produced and released their first album, titled A Product of Participation. Tom Bailey's girlfriend, Alana Curry, also performed on the album, but she got a thank you credit on the record rather than being listed as an actual member of the band. Uh, A Product of did not get a lot of attention, and the band's lineup changed again. Jane Shorter left and was replaced by Alana Curry, and Matthew Seligman took over the bass playing duties, which left Bailey to take care of the keyboards. Leeway also took on some of the vocal duties. They managed to score a contract with Arista Records and came up with another album uh, called Set. In addition to the seven members of the band, Thomas Dolby played synthesizers on some tracks, since Bailey was still new with them. And uh, now Set didn't get a lot of attention, uh, with the exception of this track, In the Name of Love, which got a ton of college airplay in the United States, and it went to number one on the Billboard dance chart, and it stayed there for five weeks out of the 29 weeks it spent altogether on the chart. The record also peaked at number 69 on the R&B chart and went to number 46 on the UK singles chart. And while some of their later singles might be a little catchier, I gotta tell you, this one is probably my favorite Thompson Twins track. As In the Name of Love grew in popularity, Bailey, Curry, and Leeway decided that they liked the different sound of that song, and they played around with the idea of starting a new band as a side project. They even had a name for that band, which was the Bermuda Triangle. But when the set album didn't make much of a dent on the charts, even when most of it was re-released with In the Name of Love as a new title for the album, well, they gave up the idea of the Bermuda Triangle. Around the same time, however, their manager, John Hayde, convinced them to trim the Thompson Twins to that core of three musicians in 1982. So what they did was to notify the other four members of the group that the band was breaking up. Each of them was given 500 pounds, and they were allowed to keep all of their equipment and instruments. In exchange, they weren't going to be permitted to play together under the Thompson Twins' name, and thus freed 
Tom Bailey, Alana Curry, and Joe Leeway were free to do their thing. And their thing was to leave the UK altogether, to break away from local musical influences and keep themselves from falling into old patterns. They went to Egypt to write as a, as a, on a trip, and then they went to the Bahamas to record at Compass Point Studios. So in a way, they went to the Bermuda Triangle anyway. And the move proved to be a success, especially in the UK. And they further cemented their success by touring as the opening act for the police during 1983. Now, today's show is really about how the group got to the point of fame rather than a rehash of their greatest hits. Because you know what? I got to save something for future shows, right? But since we're talking about the band's roots, let me get you up to date on what the former members of the band have been up to. So Pete Dodd and John Rood formed a band called Big View, which also featured drumming by Andrew Edge, and they recorded a single called August Grass in 1982. Nowadays, they perform together as a band uh, called The Flow, Andrew Edge has a singing career with Drum Sing, and he also works as an English conversation teacher in Austria. Okay. Before joining the Thompson Twins, Andrew Seligman was in a band called the Soft Boys, and he still plays Soft Boys reunion shows, as well as releasing some stuff on his own. He lives in Japan with his wife, and he worked on Thomas Dolby's 2009 album. Chris Bell has played in or for several different bands, and he also works as a landscape gardener. Now, Jane Shorter, I don't really know. She's credited on a couple of other albums in the 80s, and she played on an album for a band called Band of Holy Joy in 2002. But other than that, I'm not really sure what she's up to. And finally, there's John Podgorski, the drummer who didn't move south to London with the band. The word is that he never left Chesterfield, and he's living a peaceful life. And really, you can't ask much more than that, can you? And that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. Wow, that went quick. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter at howgooditispod. You can also check out and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where I throw in a few extra bits for you. Next time around, we're going to find out how good it is to get some satisfaction. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next time.